0: to Age, a podcast for two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Tasia. And I'm Corinne. And today we are talking about Tower of Dawn by Sarah J. Mass uh, with returning guest, front of the pod, Jesse. Hey,
1: everybody. Really excited to talk about everyone's favorite Throne of Glass book today.
0: <laughs> Jesse noted kale, stan. Um, There's know, dozens of one.
1: us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, if you've been listening to our third of glass coverage you know that tasia and i are not like anti-cal by any means but i wouldn't say we're like at the level of cal Standum that jesse is so we had to invite the expert here today and we're very excited that you're and here listen, to join us i have
1: a type i call it the kermit self <laughs> <laughs> explanatory I don't, I don't have to go any further
2: I think that makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense. Um, but before I guess we get into this book today, what's everyone obsessing over? What what's what's new? What are the hot jams? What's the four one one? Jesse is our <laughs> guest. Would you like to go first?
1: Um, sure. Okay, so I'm gonna try to be cool about this. Um, so I have some honorable mentions here because um, I have also read the Game Changers book and been obsessed with them. But uh, as I've listened to your past couple episodes, I know you guys have talked about it a lot. So I don't need to go go on. Then so we all with- just have
2: a hive mind about it. Just, I'm in love with fine. Shane and
1: Ilya, and I still am. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: I also liked uh, what you're going to talk about. Um, so I just want everyone to know I read it and I also like it. <laughs> I also good. read um, a lady for a Duke recently. And I know you guys talked about that too. So I read it also, I can be included in, in the hype. <laughs> All right. So here we All go. Very good
2: options. Yes. I'm very
1: sorry about these. Okay. So last month I read the curse breakers series by Bridget Kemmer and it starts with uh, a curse of so dark and lonely is the first one. And it's, it's a very basic beauty and the beast retelling. Uh, it, it's good it doesn't do a ton with the, the the story I recommend it I really enjoyed it uh it, it it's kind of cool because the main character Harper is a, a girl in DC and she gets thrust into this like magical world and she tells people that she's from DC and they, they think she's from the kingdom of DC like D-I-S-I. it's very cute <laughs> um and after the first book it it really takes off to be just this like really intense drama story that I got really really obsessed with last month and like couldn't stop talking about it even though it's it's like pretty good but it, it's not like anything we've ever you know it, it's like re- relatively standard fantasy fair. Bridget Camembert you guys I, I think you uh you probably talked about Defy the Night on on the pod Corinne and uh, yeah. we read it last year and again you know it doesn't break the genre by any means but the way that she writes is just really captivating and you don't ever really want to stop reading um yeah. and her characters are so good anyway i really liked the series and i was obsessed with it like you couldn't stop thinking about it it was just can you ever be mad at an author for making you just like really mad uh, <laughs> at the decisions her characters are making when it's the good writing engaging anyway she has a, a spin-off series coming out um the first one comes out june 7th and i somehow obtained an arc of it don't ask me how And uh, it's called Forging Silver into Stars. And it takes place five years after the events of the Curse Breakers book. And while the Curse Breakers book focused more on the, like, kings and queens and everything, this takes place more on, like, on the ground, like, street level. Um, And in the Curse Breakers books, there's a lot of talk about, like, magic reemerging in this this fantasy world. And the sequel trilogy, it seems, is going to talk about the implications of magic in, in this world anyway i the main character that it focuses on is a character named Tycho who is in this Tycho who's in the second curse breakers book and it takes and he's like 15 in that book and so in forging silver into stars he's like 20 and like young and like a hot shot i don't know what it is about these books i don't know what it is about bridget Kemmer, but i am obsessed with them i can't stop thinking about them i don't i don't know why i can't tell you Um, there's a character I hated in the curse breakers book. And I'm actually scared for you guys to read these books because I'm worried that you're going to be like, Jesse, you're such (laughs) (laughs) like, why do you hate this character? She's like wonderful, but I do
2: (laughs) all of our things.
1: Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's you, I think you don't even need to read the curse breakers book to read the forging silver into stars. Um, it will spoil a lot. Of kind of like the end game of the Cursebreaker series, so if you don't want to be spoiled in that, because yeah. the journey is is pretty good, um, but I think that the story is is excellent, and I highly recommend. And if you don't feel like reading Cursebreaker's book, it's there, it's fine. I can give you like a five minute summary of, of what happens and why forging silver like matters to certain characters. But and there's there's a character anyway. I can talk forever about them. Baby, anyway, check <laughs> them out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, th- it is what are you obsessing over? not like, what yeah, is to- like?
2: <laughs> totally. That's why we keep talking about game changers and we can't stop talking about it. And no, I think you're totally right. Like the defy the night comparison was a good one because that was just like so easily consumable and like so vivid in its world building and just like really threw you into really compelling characters. And I did start as Jesse knows, and she's probably very mad at me because I've not gone back to it. I did start. A Curse so dark and lonely. I made like 20% in and for like reasons I didn't get back to it, but I want to because it was really good. And I like was intrigued. And early I just am very
1: worried about you guys reading these books because the amount of like trauma dumping I did on you like while I was reading, them, <laughs> like it's really like out, out like it's not it's not as good. I, I can't like <sighs>
0: It's not going is- to live up to the amount of time yeah. you
1: did? Yeah, like I feel like I just was like really, really felt it. There's a character um in the Curse Breaker series called Grey who's really similar to Kale actually um, in that he's like the lone suffering like friend of the prince and You'd think that I would love him, but he's not my favorite character. And I don't know why. And I really need to interrogate that. So even though like I'm scared for you guys to read these books because you're gonna be like, Jesse, like why are you so obsessed with them? I'm also like need to like talk out my feelings because
0: <laughs> Right. Well, I
1: still don't get it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm really ready for this journey someday is all yeah. I will say. And I think you've done a good job of table setting that it's like some books like are actually like really superb excellent groundbreaking etc some books just hit right and so like that's a totally valid thing and it's very good to know going in you didn't preface this series as the first as the former of those two so i think we'll be good
1: yeah um thank you well uh, speaking (laughs) of feelings i'm also currently reading some mistakes were made by kristen dwyer which is a ya contemporary book And I know Kristen Dwyer because she is Adrienne Young's critique partner. They're like best friends. And they're in this like friend author group of like Stephanie Garber, Susan Lee, uh, Isabel Ibanez. Like they all seem like best friends and I want to be like friends with them. And Kristen Dwyer finally came out with her debut book. Some mistakes were made and I have a hundred pages left in this book. So it's possible that it could like totally go off the rails and I'm going to regret this recommendation, but oh my God, like the feelings it's making me feel the writing is like stunning. Like, I don't know how she's like, there's like a plot. It's like a girl it's told in like dual story lines. Like there's like uh, present day and then like the past and you have to sort of reconcile the two she described it as like friends to lovers to enemies to lovers to back to friends to lovers and it's a story of a girl whose like home situation isn't that great so she gets sort of adopted into this family with like three boys and she falls in love with one of them and something happens and she has to be sent away and so in the present day she's like dealing with having been sent away and then you also sort of find out how she got close to them and then it leads up to the event where she was sent away and it's just stunning like I, her writing is beautiful. Like I like, I just want to cry the whole time I'm reading it, but it's like in a good way. So hopefully yeah. it, it ends really well. I'm really hoping for happy ending. So
2: that's <laughs> so exciting to hear. I have, I just got my copy today in the mail and I read one chapter and it was very good so far, but I think Kristen Dwyer has ran one of the most successful social media campaigns I've ever seen leading up to a release of a book because I know nothing about her except that she's best friends with an author that I really, really like. And I started following her just because like Adrian was hyping her up so much. And then she just has not quit like talking about her, her book, like in, in, in like really clever marketing strategies. And I know from following her, as long as I have now that this was a really long time coming for her. And so then like, I'm rooting for her because all her author friends are finally like, yes, like she's finally getting her moment. And it's like, I don't know this woman. Uh, So it's, it's good to hear that it's actually living up to the hype because it could have easily not with how much like buzz she's created very successfully. So, uh, around her book. So,
1: Yeah, Tasia, she writes sort of like Maggie Seafodder in that like magical way, but it's like contemporary YA. Like there's no reason to be like as magical as it is. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what she
0: puts Yeah, I feel like I totally understand what you're saying, like while you're reading it and it makes you just want to like weep from just like appreciation of it, of like the prose itself and just, um, yeah, I'm, color me intrigued. Yeah. Good
1: one. Sorry about that. I like- took your podcast and was like, here's what I'm like crying about today.
2: (laughs) That is the point of the obsession section. (laughs) And we appreciate you having a really, um, a really good one. I had to, uh, kind of try to figure out what I wanted to include here this week because I felt like I'm coming off of like a bunch of really, really good ones. And this one was included in, and I didn't talk about it last time. And this is what Jesse referenced as one of her honorable mentions, which is everything for you. It is the Fifth book in the Bergman family series by Chloe Leese. And uh, it is the first queer romance in that series. It is about one of the kind of golden retriever younger brothers in the Bergman family, which is a family of seven siblings, two girls at the beginning and the end, and then five boys in the middle. And Oliver is a professional soccer player and has a really grumpy curmudgeon older teammate I'll, I think it's like what 10 years separating them and it was just like a really great kind of not so much enemies to lovers but like they are assigned to be co-captains of the team and they're forced to spend time together and of course is off in the way you know they've both kind of been into each other the whole um way along what I really liked about it was The age gap here is addressed in like, I thought a really thoughtful way in terms of like, professional soccer careers and like longevity because Gavin, the grumpy older guy is like Jesse and I were saying like our age, (laughs) but he has a lot of like feelings of kind of like resentment and jealousy of Oliver. Who's like you know, 23 and is really at the beginning of what is going to potentially be like the superstardom career. And he is very much in the sunset of having a really awesome career and what will his life be without soccer. And so he has a lot of resentment towards Oliver for that but like also it's a shield like for feelings Mm -hmm. and so it's just her books are like a warm hug she knows exactly what her readers want she's a big fan of romance and like you can tell like she just like feeds you well like there's a great there's only one bed scene situation going on The, the way that romance writers continue to like reinvent and find different ways to like have those scenes work out is like always very, uh, very compelling to me, but it was just another great addition. It's sad for me to think about how there's only two more potential Bergman sibling books left because they all have been just a delight in their own way. Uh, but luckily she is having her first traditionally published romance come out later this year. Via Berkeley, these have all been self pubbed So I'm just very happy for her. As someone um, who's been enjoying her books a lot.
0: And the good, that's why I can never get one.
2: Yeah. I think they're like hard to get through like libraries and things like that, mm-hmm. because she self pubbed them. Um, and I think too, like she's an author that is like very good on her own. And I can't wait to see like what her books are like with like professional editing, like and in things like that through them too, mm-hmm. because I think they're like a little bit diamonds in the rough right now. Like there's some things that like could be tweaked and improved upon. And I think she's just going to get better and better. It's going to be great. Yeah.
1: It's interesting (laughs) in the context of, like, this conversation because Chloe writes really good disability representation. Like, you think in everything for you. Gavin has, like, chronic pain. In her Mm -hmm. previous book, one of her characters had, like, one of her characters had IBS, Mm -hmm. which is, like... And they're never, like, a plot point. It's really, really well done. Um, Yeah. Like, a diversity in in disability issues. And I think... um, yeah, she's, she's doing some really cool stuff with yeah. the
2: romance genre. She herself is autistic, so she has that representation in there. And I what I really like about her, too, and this is the beauty of self-publishing, is that her first book in the series features um, one of the Bergman brothers who has had hearing loss. And she actually, like, rewrote large chunks of the book with sensitivity writers so that it was more um, – sensitive to the, the hearing loss that she depicted in the book. So she's just, she's a very thoughtful, very thoughtful writer. I like her.
0: Keisha, what about you? Um, I'm back on my not really reading kick. <laughs> um, sure. I've been, I, I think it's just, that I've had like so many arcs lately and I just haven't had like the motivation to read them or I've been DNFing things. And I think I'm finally getting to a point where I'm like, okay, with just dropping stuff and it's not that big of a deal. So not- I'm trying to get back into stuff. Um, but I have watched a little bit more TV. So I did watch Yellow Jackets, which was something that uh, you talked about, Corinne, on a previous episode. Right. But um, yeah, if uh, if anybody wasn't here for that or hasn't watched the show yet, do it. It's um, it's I, I was I had high hex high expectations but it's still and it was like genuinely frightening to me yeah <laughs> like sitting up watching it by myself I was like and like I, I'm a person who loves horror um yeah. and I was still like I need to press pause and like go for a walk and get away from this for a minute but um yeah just really visceral really I mean and and the soundtrack fucking slaps uh, yeah. if you were a kid in the 90s at all um yeah it's it's good stuff it's good to see um Christina Ricci doing doing stuff again. She's so um, unhinged in that she's being, being an absolute stone cold weirdo, which is just yeah. like so in her wheel, wheelhouse. So yeah. Um yeah, that's been it has so been enjoyable. I also started Reservation Dogs, which is really good. Mm. Um that is on Hulu. And uh yeah, that's that's about all I got. It's funny that you have yellow
2: jackets here uh as an obsession today because I currently started watching under the banner of heaven which does not sound like it would have anything in common with yellow jackets but if you're not familiar it's a fx like true crime murder mystery involving a very scary sect of fundamentalist mormons and like has it's like it's very scary um but the episode i was just watching featured like a character running through the woods and being like lured into a trap. And I'm like, this is Yellow Jackets again. (laughs) Like that's how Yellow Jackets opens. Like the very first episode is someone like running through the woods and like falling into like a trap. And I was like, holy shit. Like the, this is, there's a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram of these shows in terms of like. (laughs) Traps are so big right now. Yeah, they totally are.
0: (laughs) But like survivalist, like fundamentalist, like woods dramas. so I actually don't know anything about this show that you're talking about. Is it um, like a fictionalization of a true story? I believe, and I'm trying not to read
2: anything about the, it was, it's based on a book, but I believe that the book is based on a true crime. I'm trying not to read anything about the book, including the plot summary on right. Wikipedia because it reveals who like the murderers are. Um. Right. So I have been avoiding it, but I, it's my understanding it's based on a true story. It stars, um, Andrew Garfield, Daisy Edgar Jones is the murder victim. Andrew Garfield's character is a Mormon police officer in this small town in Utah. And in the opening episode is tasked with investigating this like truly heinous murder of Daisy Edgar Jones character and her um, infant daughter. And it kind of involves... Some very scary like Mormon things happening, and obviously I'm pretty early into it, but like I think it's gonna have a lot to do with him like questioning his his own yeah faith too and his place in the church. And yeah, it's really good though.
0: But like I have just added scary. it to my list because um I love to rehash religious trauma, and uh so I I like to watch more like fucked up Mormon shit. Yeah, no,
2: it is.
0: Uh, I'm learning a lot about like.
2: I didn't really quite think of like the different like levels of like Mormonism and like yeah the the fundamentalist stuff is very woo yeah so anyway it's uh it's very good um so yeah
1: what a, what a mood we've set here. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Tower of John. I talked about two YA things. So do <laughs> I, I get extra credit?
0: Like this isn't my fucking fault.
1: <laughs> I think I get some extra credit. You do get extra credit. You do. You do. I know
0: we, we did like the bad thing. We opened with the wholesome and ended with like Mormon murder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is plenty of murder. No. Oh, there no. is. There is a lot of murder. it's like off-page murder. Yeah, there
2: you go. Um, there's some like warfare murder and uh thrown of Glass. We're all coming full circle here. Here, listen. Is it really an obsession section of the podcast if we're not talking about a porn or a b murder? <laughs> so here we are. On that note, let's talk about this book that has neither. Um, again, we've like given up on <laughs> like. There's murder. maybe like a beach. I there's, know I was doing I was essentially doing murder. the same thing and there's I looked at just murder. Going, okay, well, this a little is a little bit more little bit like scary been.
1: murder. Like yeah, you like hunt down the like the, yeah. the healers at
2: the... well, this is the problem with us um not doing like a formal summary anymore because <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Um and if you've been listening along to us in chronological order, you know that we were supposed to like do this earlier and apparently the murder of this book. <laughs> Just left my brain. Yes, um, I guess let's add a little summary here. Um, Kale is sent off to the southern continent with Nezrin to try to find um allies and also uh to work on healing rehabilitation following his injury at the end of Queen of Shadows. And yes, there's a murder. Uh the the rulers of the kingdom whose name I've also forgotten. Uh, Has several uh, sons and daughters, and one of the daughters has died, and they think it's a suicide. Ultimately, revealed to be murder, (laughs) um, essentially. (laughs) And um, what else we got going on? Friends, Eurene, healer, meets Kale, hates him because she's from Adirond, and her people were uh, the oppressor. Yeah, he's the oppressor, and she fled. Uh, to the Southern Continent to learn to be a healer. She's the best healer. She is the heir parent, the healer on high, in fact. Uh, she's so the
1: healer from Assassin's Blade.
2: She is, yes. So if you didn't read Assassin's Blade... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. We're spoiling it here. No, no, no. Like <laughs> You guys covered it on your pod. No, so. no, yeah, we did. No, I'm just saying, like, if you didn't read it, like, you probably have no idea who Irene Towers is. Um, But that's the beauty of this. It's like, oh, all of a sudden this, like, random character we got, like, 20 pages about is here again. Um, Nezrin starts, uh, both of them are, both Kale and Nezrin are trying to work different angles to try to like get these allies in. And and Nezrin, whose father's family is from Mm -hmm. the Southern continent, starts to uh, grow close in particular with one of the heirs, um, Sartak, And, uh, despite the fact that she and Kale are kind of a thing, um, they both meet these people who are better for them and, uh, yeah. Kale learns to walk with some big asterisk there at the end. Um, and, uh, and him kind of figure out like what's going on with the vag and how to like kind of push them out and how to kind of heal the people who are, uh, infected with them. And at the end, get the allies they figure out like that basically the daughter who was mur- was killed was uh was murdered by another daughter who's possessed by a valg
0: and uh
1: and Maeve is a oh,
0: yeah I think flag. we find out Maeve is yeah. a, the valg queen or whatever in this in this yeah. one so that's about it James. Spider's film secrets <laughs> uh Lysandra's um uncle we meet him again I guess- um and find out that that's indeed who he is, yeah. and that he uh, is a shapeshifter.
1: Yeah, great job, good job. That was impressive, actually. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I like how I stay here well, and whatever. I just
0: like watch Corinne. I know I'm always summaries. like, is let's really... let's us as a collective ad lib, but <laughs> you, you get going on me. such a you get going on such a good tear know,
2: that I'm to like to I don't want to you.
1: <laughs> I do I mean, just the like the uh, the audacity to be like, I'm going to write a book like Empire of Storms and I'm going to end it where I end it. And I'm going to say, oh, you think you're going to get the end book? You're gonna, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to give you your favorite character, Kale, a whole like 800 pages of <laughs> yeah. him gallivanting on the southern continent. We're barely going to mention Aelin and everyone else like the audacity yeah like,
0: SJM's like, got those balls of fucking steel man yeah. to, do, to do that
1: can you imagine like reading this in real time and like I love Kale but after the end of Empire Storms I would have been like absolutely not man yeah, yeah. and then to end this book with like a little bit of like oh Aelin remember how much you love her yeah she's being hella tortured right now yeah yes.
0: remember that yes. <laughs> remember how she's in a box right now it's so cruel
2: and like also this was supposed to be a novella and then and assumes like, JK, I need eight hundred pages to tell this story. And I don't know if that like pushed back the timeline, but I assume it had to have like, sure, it's pretty fast, but like that will necessarily extend your, uh, your publishing timeline a little bit. So yeah, no, I'm glad to have, uh, had this whole series published when I read it, uh, But that said, like, you know, this book gets a lot of flack kind of for those reasons, because it kind of dovetails away from the main action. And also it's about Cal, who is for reasons that, again, we've talked a lot about on this podcast that we don't necessarily agree with is not like very he's very divisive within the phantom. (laughs) If people just don't really like this book, but I think this book is kind of a marvel in a lot of ways. Before we get into the book itself, I think we kind of wanted to talk about some of the critiques of the book in um, particularly uh, its disability rep. Um, you know, I, I think we have to preface that by saying all three of us are able-bodied individuals. And so we're not the best qualified to speak at all about whether or not this is good rep, bad rep. Uh, and I think it's important to seek out own voices or viewers about this. And I think that there is, even somewhat in my research of it, like a divide within the community in terms of how um, disabled individuals, disabled reviewers view this book. And so I think it's just important to like go into that with that caveat. Um, I found it really interesting. I actually got into like a point of like reading like medical journals about the interplay between like critical disability studies and rehabilitative medicine, because that's kind of what this book comes down to, you know, working on rehabbing someone after an accident, after a trauma. um, And how do you do that and still be in, and and still avoid ableism in 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 that kind of healing process. Um, So, yeah, I think we would just say, um, see, have those reviewers and, and go into it with a a critical eye and uh, keep an open mind. I think we also should point out too that this book gets some flack for the people of the southern continent just being kind of like vaguely brown and um it, a lot of criticism comes to SHAM for her diversity or lack thereof this to me kind of feels like one of her more um
0: not as thought out like examples of it weaker it's it's yeah. weaker for sure it's um, ju- yeah, just like in general, I would like for like fantasy authors, please take note, um, when creating your like fantasy worlds, do not just divide it into, um, vaguely, uh, our world's different cultural divides, you know, and just be like, Oh, these white people that live in the North, they are, essentially um Scandinavian these brown people to live in the east there's you know it's um be a little bit more creative I guess uh create your own worlds. It's, it's basing your your vaguely brown characters on real actual cultures is kind of just it's there's not a whole lot of ways that that can go well yeah
2: there's kind of some like cringe scenes too like a, a, one of my favorite scenes I want to talk about it is like when Cal and Ureen go out to eat And he's like, wow, the food has flavor. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus, like, really? Like, this is what we're going to do? It's so anyway, yes, those are it's also something to be aware of uh, when reading that book. And again, I don't think we are in the best position uh, beyond those very uh, clearly bad uh, (laughs) things that we just mentioned to talk about it further. But again, it's something to be cognizant of as you're reading this book, I think. Um, but that said, uh, shall we just dive into, to kale here, Jesse, how about we start with this? I know you said the Kermit, you know, thing is your thing, Mm -hmm. but like, tell us a little more in detail about why you love kale. We need to hear from a true kale Stan because we've not had the opportunity in, in six episodes thus far. You're basically no, asking
1: for some, like, heavy introspection, like, you know, <laughs> and You know, there's something about the, like, stoic soldier man that, like, really does it for me, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I just, because when you start Throne of Glass, you're like, okay, like, this handsome roguish prince is going to be with the beautiful assassin. Like, that's the conventions of the genre. But then you have this, like, sad handsome soldier with daddy issues who's like extremely loyal he'll always be there for you and I think that really like he's like kind of introduces the underdog in that respect so I think immediately I was I was rooting for him um and I I was attracted to that you know steadfast loyalty and you know knows his way around like the sword the sword (laughs) Um. (laughs) I did not mean it like that, but thank you. I mean like a little
2: motion with your hand too. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Kale gets
1: so much. Like he's sleeping with every hot woman in this these books. I'm he sorry. does. He he
0: pulls more than anybody else. But yeah. that was I literally almost fell out of my chair only because I'm connected by by earphones by by headphones. Did like, so I not right. fall out of my chair?
2: <laughs> um, readers, you need to know that's like an actual note Jesse committed to paper. <laughs> like how Kale
0: just literally.
2: Get some um, with all these hot ladies in these books and it's commendable.
1: Mm-hmm. It does. Um, but it's just, you know, that steadfast loyalty, that stoicism, yeah. that strength. I think I'm really drawn to that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the Kermit, like a leader, but maybe not like the most charming one. But like, I don't know. I'm really drawn to that, like steadfast loyalty. Yeah.
2: And then my follow up question is, and we talked about this as we read um, Air of Fire and Queen of Shadows, but like how, um, how did you maintain that sense of loyalty uh in those books, which are rough kill?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I, I have distinct memories of like reading the Throne of Glass books and, and messaging Corinne and being like, they said like, they literally say in the books, like you're the one for me, like only you, like they like say all the right things, you know? So I was just like, I imprint on a lot of my ships, which is why Sarah J Maas is kind of rough for me sometimes. (laughs) Um, Because like when it happens, I'm like, this is it. This is it for me. Um, So I was always on, you know, his side and in rooting for him. And it was hard. There's a lot of tough looks for Kale in these books, but I think I always wanted, but I think it's hard because a lot of the issues with kale are rooted in the things that he and i like view about him that are so good like loyalty and like being there for his brother dorian dorian and and i think that's what we see in this book is him really grappling with the things that he really loved about himself being just like destroyed in front of him and i think that's a journey that i was really drawn to because that's interesting to me yeah. it's not you know the inner struggle that he goes through with everything that he thought he knew about himself being wrong in some ways. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. That's, that's what's interesting. That's character development. That's how you really get at the crux. You, you, you take someone's wound and you like squeeze it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like
0: Kale has the most to unlearn out of like our main characters in this. Like he has a lot of like, um, debriefing or whatever that he has to do to kind of step away from that like because he was the one out of the three of them out of alan Dorian and himself that was like the most loyal to his kingdom despite all of its wrongs despite everything that he himself had even had to do in service to that kingdom knowing that this king was like a bad person Dorian was close enough to the to the issue that like you know you know he was like the rebellious child that was like fuck you anyway but kale actually believed in this stuff for a while and so he had the most um un- unpacking of his own like shit that he had to do
1: yeah and, and so I- it
0: does make sense that he had he had to have a whole book dedicated to that
1: mm-hmm. I love like the stories like there's always in like every Scooby gang if you will let me borrow that phrase like Mm -hmm. everyone has like a magic thing but there's always like the one human that like their humanity is their superpower Mm -hmm. and and I think in this series like it's Kale he's just like a like a human like 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 us you know like but it's his he has to use his like smarts and his ability to train and learn and process and change in order to be a really useful valid member of the group and I think he eventually like proves it. I think he proves himself a lot but at the end of the day he's able to prove himself even more and he's able that's to- a really
0: good point too because he tends to be the person like that character that human character usually tends to be the person that focuses on the individual rather than the big picture because um, the others are so focused on, like, this is a huge world-changing war thing that we have to fight. And that human character, and it's true for Kale, is um the one that's like, well, what about this? Like, this, you know, who are you hurting in service of this greater, you know, the greater good or whatever. Exactly.
1: And we see that a lot in this book, how... Yes, calling Aylan a monster was totally uncalled for. And the way yeah. he, that he goes about it is horrible. But you see him grapple with that in this book when he says she could be if she was unchecked. But I know that she is a good enough person and she has the people around her, uh, Rowan included, that will that will help her and help, you know, guide her. And so yeah. you watch him learn those lessons and use his humanity to process that. And it's a great journey for our boy, kale.
2: Yeah. And that's what I think is so kind of just, just, I'm just kind of in awe of this book at the end of the day, because like she touches on all of it in such a way that like, when you go back and look at the other books, like you totally understand more why he was the way he was. He talks a lot about Dorian and why he was so drawn to to, to Dorian. I think, Jesse, you had this quote written down somewhere here. Even as boys, I knew Dorian was not his father's son. I knew a better future lay with him. If I can make sure Dorian lived long enough, if he not only lived, but also survived emotionally, if he had an ally, an ally, a true friend in that court of vipers, neither of us saw what happened to those who whispered of rebellion. I knew that if I, if he set one foot out of line, his father would kill him error. No. So I craved the stability, the safety of the status quo. And it's like, that makes so. Much sense, you know. You learn more about like the abuse at the hands of his father, and how he he craves that, and how he gets so wrapped up in that stability that it provides him, and he gets like tunnel vision about protecting Dorian that he doesn't see all of those things that like alan calls him out on in Queen of Shadow. You know, like you go to Endovia and, and what? Like you're just fine with that. Like you don't think about those people at all. So it becomes such a cog in the wheel. But his reasons for getting to that position are so good, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have work to do to unpack those things. And so we get, we, t- we, we see that we see him admit how badly he handled things with Alan and how badly she handled it too. And honestly, I think it's like one of the more emotionally mature things I've ever read in again, we're, I think we're past YA at this point of the series, but like in YA or even like just, you know, romance generally, this idea of like having a really important foundational love in your life and like why it's not going to work and like not resenting the other person for the, the hurt that you caused each other and really growing to understand it. I think it's, I have never read anything like it. I was going to put some quotes in here, but it ended up being just like pages upon pages where he's talking about like what Aylin meant to him, how hard it was to give that up. But like, ultimately it came down to like, he was always going to be loyal to Dorian and she knew it. And they both found the people who, who could get them where they need to get as individuals and like the respect he has for like Rowan and Aylin and and Mm -hmm. how he has it now with Irene. It's just, it's so beautiful and full circle. And then to tie that all up with like, those emotional wounds and tie it into the magic system here, I think is just like really good fantasy work from Sarah, like how this bit of dark magic that he has within him is feeding off of him. And he has what to me felt a lot like alien's journey in air fire, Mm -hmm. this emotional reckoning, this like rebirth, this pushing through um, this darkness to get to who he really needs to be. I just think that that all is so, is so well done. And honestly, like it's tied up with this disability stuff, which is complicated and we alluded to, but it's like, almost doesn't need it because it's so strong on its own, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. The Um, real journey is his mental health. Yeah. Yeah. That's why in the end when, you know, he's not cured, you know, he's not like a hundred percent, um, yeah. Able-bodied again or something. He still has a disability, but now it's not, it's not about like the physical limitations his body might have. It's it's that he's in a better mental sp- space to yeah. move forward with his life. You
2: know, Ureen as a healer, you know, again, as a a doctor essentially, for all intents and purposes in this world, says, I wanted to heal you. And he says you didn't every way that matters. So even yeah. though, you know, he still has that. He goes from a position of, of really resenting the, the position he's in, the physical position he's in, and in, in his disability and his need to use a wheelchair, etc., and to move, to move past that as part of his emotional healing journey is is just it's beautifully done, I think, and, and it really affects me and and just makes me connect with him in a way that even as someone who liked him all along, like. I'm I'm really all bored after this book.
0: Um, So you're happier to root for him now that he's not an
2: ass. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't want anyone. I I like complicated characters. Mm -hmm. Cal is like in many ways, one of the most complicated characters in this series and like has one of the most rewarding series arcs, I think because of the payoff of this book.
0: That's great. And it is sort of magic. Like Jesse mentioned that, you know, Sarah would, write a book like empire storms and then throw this book in a book that's like pretty much solely dedicated to this very polarizing character but the fact that like when i finished empire storms and i was like oh my god like i I don't hate kale but i don't want to go be with kale right now i need to follow this thread um the fact that i got you know a couple chapters into tower of dawn and i was fully in like that in itself was a magic trick that she was able to pull me in so thoroughly into that story when my mind wanted to be somewhere else completely. And that's just like a Testament to how well done this story is.
1: There are certain authors. And I think you guys, you mentioned this in your, even your Shara Wheeler book uh, episode, there's certain authors that you just have to trust that they'll Mm -hmm. take you there. Um, And I think SJM is is one of them. I, I think that there's something to be said for really straightforward storytelling where you know what you're going to get and you're totally fine following those arcs. Yeah. But for how big this series is, you talk a lot about second books in a trilogy. I mean, Queen, this isn't a trilogy. So Queen of Shadows is like that murky middle of the trilogy. And that's like the bottom for so many characters. And because Aelin has her bottom in Air of Fire, I think a lot of people give less... Credence to Queen of Shadows as the bottom of a lot of other people's journeys because right Aylan's like the lead. And so that's what Tower of Dawn does so well, I think, is being like, yes, like Aylan's the main character. But, you know, there's so many other really interesting, fascinating characters that. Yeah. In.
0: And I, have to, in. I have to be really immature for a second, but you said Aylin has her bottom in Air of Fire, and I was like, yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> Shouts to Rowan Whitethorn. We are really going for it
2: today, friends, and I love this. For all us. inadvertent. It is, but, it, but is it like...
1: I, think I like your awesome, headspace, Yes. Yeah,
2: I mean, it, yeah, that's that's a really good point. I never really thought of it. Like, I think Queen of Shadows is definitely like Dorian's bottom. And <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, I've
0: ruined that now. <laughs> it's,
2: it's Dorian's moment of rock bottom and it's Kale's moment of rock bottom and it continues for Kale in this book. And we see more of it for Dorian in in Empire of Storms. I don't think it's a, a spoiler to say we'll see more of that in Kingdom
1: of Ash. Readers so are really more alive. willing to give understandings to characters. We're, we're very well trained in being like, okay, this character has like magic and it's being, you know, it's oppressing him. And yes, like their emotional journey is rooted in that. But Kale's just like a regular guy. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't give him the grace to go through the growth because- yeah. And that's why these books, I think, lend themselves to, like, rereads really well. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think once you aren't as consumed with Aelin's journey, you're able to be like, wow, like, there are these other characters that are also going through meaningful journeys. And now that I'm not as worried about Aelin, I can really appreciate them. So that's what I say to all you kale haters. (laughs) Go Mm -hmm. back.
0: (laughs) And also just think about how young he is. You know, he's, what, like, 20 years old? Yeah. What 20-year-old boy is, not like, a piece of shit? Like just full stop, you know, like it there's a lot of growing to do around that age in maturity. And maybe he handled his breakup not great, but I mean,
1: you he know got through it. Yeah. I I gave him a lot of like grace where it comes to his like breakup. Yeah. And Aylan deserves a lot of, you know,
2: <laughs> yeah, he acknowledges that. But then But then he, he comes to a place in this book where he's saying things like, this is like during his like emotional moment, like where it's like magic. And he's like trying to like banish the last bit of like the darkness for him. But like, um, sorry for the lies for what she had done to him, his life for swearing that she would pick him, choose him, no matter what always he wanted to hate her for that lie, that false promise, which she had discarded in the misty force of Wenlin, And yet like that's so mature that's so evolved like it's so important and uh that's just a i think that's a really good point like he he thinks about it more than Ailen does i think in retrospect because of exactly what you said jesse like this is kind of like what he has like he doesn't have like a kingdom and like this untapped power and like all this stuff that he also has to like go through and like hidden identities and like so I think it, it, it's much more important to him in, 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 in that moment, not to say it's not important to her, um, because he doesn't have like some of the other big ticket items that Aylan also has to be going through. And so it
1: says his trauma makes sense too. Like like, he walked away, his family, like abandoned him. Like, yes, his father kicked him out, but his family abandoned him too, by not like going after him. I mean, we learned some nuance to it later, but like, all intents and purposes, he has no family except Dorian. And then Aylin, you know, who said, I'm Mm going to be your family now, essentially, that's what that means when you pledge yourself. And yeah, you're young and you, you know, you'd grow and change. Yeah. But I, I can easily see, I think most people who have ever been broken up with can easily look back in their life and remember a time when, yes, you absolutely knew that the person that you're pining for wasn't the right person for you, but you don't want to be alone. That person promised something to you and that's totally relatable. And I think that.
0: And I think like not yeah. to simplify it too much too, the fact that, um, Ailen like really moved on before Kale did that hurts too. And that's going to yeah. add, I think a layer of bitterness to it. Like, and not only did she just like hook up with some new person, she found like her mate, <laughs> like her, her like soul bonded partner. Yeah. And, um, and Kale's just like, You know, knowing that obviously like they weren't meant to be in this, you know, this wasn't going to work. It's still like that's got to hurt. It's going to sting. I feel like I wouldn't handle it that well.
1: (laughs) In Tower of Dawn, he's so cool about Rowan. He's like Mm -hmm. Rowan's biggest cheerleader. He's so respectful of that relationship. Yeah. It's so mature. He's like, like, I would like to see you take Rowan in a fight. Like He's just Mm -hmm. like Rowan's biggest cheerleader even apart from from that. So I think that's like really fun to read. And it's just great when he's like, if
2: you see them one day, like you'll know, like you'll get it. What I think too, one of the things you said, Jesse was really interesting about like this promise, like that she, that they made to each other, that they're going to be family. And what I think is so important about this book. And again, I don't think this is a spoiler for Kingdom of Ash, but like Tasia and I've talked a lot about how like friendship in this series is more important to us in a lot of ways than any romantic pairings. And for me, the The thing that I'm going to cry right now, thinking about the, the friendship that really hits me is Dorian and Alan and kale. And like the work that he does in this book and the progress he gets in this book is just like so important to preserving that. And it's different than the, he talks a lot about like he had to give up and it was hard to let go of the dreams that he had for the two of them together, but they're still going to be a really important part of their lives going forward. And it's just different. But it's no less important, and I love it so much. But he could, he doesn't get there without
0: like this journey he goes on. and like acknowledging, <laughs> acknowledging the um the different flavors that re- that core relationship has bet- between the three of them. Like Kale and Dorian have. Their own thing, so much of their own thing. But Kale also has his own individual relationship with Aylin that's outside of the romantic. You know, they have their own bond there, just like Aylin and Dorian have their own bond and their own understandings, like as these world leaders and people burdened with so much. Like it's just, it's such a perfect, like trifecta friendship. I am obsessed with it.
2: I do think that the relationship between Cal and Dorian is less fraught than the relationship between Cal and Alan, obviously, yeah. but I think it also is really important for them both to have some separation for each other and like Cal to do this on his own when his life has been so much about this other person for so long, that's not to diminish that the importance of that relationship, but he needs to like be his own man. And it's, it's, it's hard to have him be away from all of our friends in this book. But it's so important, not just for him and Aelin, but for him and Dorian too.
1: I love that point that he has to do this for himself because they, so much of these books, like Aelin always has her like secret plan. And yeah, we do know that Aelin has had some, like she sends that secret note to the princess that we find out, you know, later. And then she also sends all the money with them. And of course the, the note to Yurin to that we know happens. But ultimately like it's Nessarin and, and Kale and Yurin that, that by their goodness, by their actions, like are the ones to help save the day. And like literally, like Kale's like, Oh, I'm bringing my wife, but like, Oh, yeah, she's like the tool to save everybody, you know? So, so much of these books is Aylin saving everyone. And this doesn't change that, but it's just, again, like our human friend Kale, who's been through the most, also is able yeah. to like pull out this like huge win. And I like yeah. love that for him.
2: Yeah, that's great. It's so important. Every, every, what's beautiful about this series is layers that's why assassin's blade despite like not being the most interesting to read just the payoffs in in building up this story um every little part of it is important this part of it is so important too um it's a huge triumph at the end here um and it's super great i'm actually kind of impressed i feel like we moved through cal pretty quickly we were talking about um Rowan and like his respect for like that relationship um and I think a huge part of that where he's like kind of already on that journey of respecting that here but he finds his person in this book so let's talk about Irene because I love her one of the things that's like great about this series too is like how in like the late part of the series Sarah's introducing characters who are like some of my favorites of the series, like particularly Elid and Eurene, like we don't see them through the first four books. I mean, I guess Elid's in Queen of Shadows, but she like really starts cooking in Empire of Storms. We get Eurene like from nowhere and she's like a fully realized character and is such a great addition to this world. Um, And I like her a lot.
1: Yeah, it's like when we talk about um, at the Avatar series, and people are like, Well, you know, Gwen and Emery, like, who are they? I was like, Well, who are a lead and read? You know, so I think that's something to keep great an eye point, out. <laughs> that is a great an, point. An eye out that, like, you know, game-changing characters can be introduced, like even like significant books have gotten by. So just saying. When we all write.
0: <laughs> you
2: know, I had to. I know, but it's such a good point. It's such a valid point because. Like that's one of the like the big like reason people diss when in that series in Avatar. Um, how could she be a big deal? Blah, blah, blah. How could she be in a chief romantic pairing when we just met her? May I introduce you to, Lee Blacken <laughs> and Eurene Towers. Um,
1: Eurene's just so cool. I love her so much. She's one of my favorite characters in all of Throne of Glass.
2: Yeah, they have like a really great dynamic too. Like this enemies. Anime- to lovers type situation here too. Um, I really admire her, 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 like kind of like pulling herself up by her bootstraps. We see how, just how foundational Aileen um, and their brief interaction was on Irene. And I think one of the joys of rereading this book was like, I was so antsy the first time I read this book being like, When are they going to figure out it was Aelin? When are they going to figure out it was Aelin? And it's not until the very end. And Irene doesn't even know. Like, you don't see that on the page in this book. Like, we just get Kale realizing at the end. So I'm like, ah. I was absolutely feral about that, too. Yeah. (laughs) I just need her
0: to know now.
2: So on reread, it's like rewarding to see instead, like, it's not like that knowledge of who gave her these important lessons it, it's not that's not the important thing it's how she's like carrying them out here um in teaching the self-defense lessons and i also love how she like uses that as a part of like kale's rehabilitation as well like get him out like get him to establish his confidence again in something that he knows well by having him go to the lessons that she has with the other healers um that aspect of it is awesome um And her own, like, you know, it's it's a very typical, I feel like fantasy journey in particular to be like an individual who's like people have been oppressed and hurt by the ruling power. And then to like kind of grow and evolve and realize that an individual person who might have been complicit isn't a bad person. But that doesn't matter to me that I've like seen this story several times, many times before, because like, I just think it's really well done here and it's important. It's important part of Cal's journey, but also like her own in, in coming to terms with how she does want to go back to add how she wants to fight and like, how, how is she going to do that when the people that she thinks or the, the people who are like in charge now, like Dorian essentially are still part of that problem. And so it's it's seeing her like learn through Kale that there is good to be had and it will be better, like under Dorian's rule, is is really nice to see as well. Anything else about Irene? Mm. No, that
1: was pretty good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look at us go, friends. I'm really <laughs> proud. Um, I also would like to shout out Irene for like basically being a boss bitch like around all of like these royals who all like love her and like she like uses them and manipulates them great the scene where she pushes what's her name in the pool is like oh, scary it's so but, like, scary, it's yeah. So yeah. scary.
0: <gasps> she was pissing me I mean after that she like chilled out a little bit some people some people just want to be dicks until you push back at them a little bit and then they're like okay like we're yeah. on more of an even playing ground now But yeah, up until then, she was a real asshole of a friend. So I'm glad that I like to see Irene, uh, literally push back on that.
2: Yeah. I would like to point out to, again, with the caveat that like, we are not in the best position to speak about like the disability rep here, but like, it is really nice to me, like how Irene is like always encouraging Cal to like do things on his own. Um, and like, is very pivotal to like him no longer thinking so negatively himself about his disability. Um, it's really encouraging. I think then this might be a good segue into Nesrin because I think one of the most frustrating things that I reread when I was particularly on the lookout for ableist things, the the most um, jarring examples to me came from Nesrin, and I don't like that as a plot device as a way to show like he's not meant to be with Nesrin because like she's not accepting of his disability. Uh, there, are, th- that to me is not great. I don't like seeing Nasserin like engage in those those types of ways of thinking. Um, but I also think it's just like maybe not great storytelling as a way to like paint the di- the the difference between these two women. Um, yeah, you don't have to make one look bad to make someone yeah. else shine. And like, it's not. It, yeah. And it, there's only like a few instances of it. And one of the things I think is smart about this book is like it keeps Nestor and Cal separate for a lot of it um, because Nestor has her own journey. And I do love like a lot of her journey um, in this book, but that's probably my one frustration. I will also say, <laughs> I think I texted this to like one of you or maybe both of you as I was rereading. I'm like, I just like, I like Nestor a lot. I like Sartak a lot. I like like where they end up. But like a lot of the the in between stuff, I just want to read the Kailani read stuff in this book. Yeah,
0: and I feel I bad don't about really it. Really believe like I don't know that I really believe the romance between Nezir and Sartak. Like it feels more like it's uh, something that's being told to me rather than something that I'm seeing. Um, yeah. especially like there was that scene when um, you know, he's like, "Oh, I've loved I loved you even before I met you because of the stories I heard about you," and I'm like, "Okay," like I don't. Yeah. It just it didn't there, it didn't connect for me. I like, I like it because I wanted Nezrin to have somebody yeah. really, I guess. And someone fully
2: <laughs> um, accepting like her, how bad she is. Her. And like,
0: yeah, totally. somebody who wanted her, not somebody that was using her as like, um, uh, consolation prize. You know, she deserved to be loved and wanted for her on her own merits. Um, so I loved that for her, but I just thought that, um, the relationship just wasn't, Built to the point where I was like really actively, like I don't feel a whole lot about it. I guess.
1: I like the the arrow scene where she like shows like how good she is with the bone arrow, and everyone's mm-hmm. like, and that's like a a scene where he's really attracted to her in that moment. I think that's like a really good moment for the relationship. But yeah, I mean, that's the problem when you're reading is because you're not interested in you the royal you is like not mm-hmm. interested in like those things because you want to get to like the main part but it is cool how they like do a lot of the figuring out about the fall blog, fall of black <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: how they, like do a lot of
1: like the figuring it out and yeah um, there is some stuff that could have been I think really in, in another author's hands with Nessarin being like a almost like a third culture kid like not really being able to belong anywhere like does she belong mm-hmm. on the southern continent does she belong up north she's captain up north but like her father's family and her just being really embraced by um, a lot of the the different tribes um so I think there are some really good moments there that aren't really mined for as most um, as much emotional impact point. as they could have had in like a maybe a bit more of a deaf author. Um, yeah. but those are some of my best Nestor, my favorite Nesrin moments when she's just like, I'm finally like home. Like I feel like yeah. home here. Um,
0: That's why I picked Nestor as like my backup best arc because I, I mean, obviously Kale takes it like spoiler alert to my favorite arc of the book, but it's obviously Kale. Um, Nezrin would be number two, just because she does get to like connect with her roots in that way and kind of yeah. like find a home here with, with everybody. yes yeah. uh, And, and just like kind of the establishing of like, how she's going to be a really good leader for them because yeah. uh, Sartak is the heir and they're obviously yeah, a thing. So,
2: yeah, I think you kind of articulate really well, Jesse, like why her stuff in this book falls a little flat to me because I don't think it's mined as much as it could be. Mm-hmm. She does so much for Adderlon. And I think that that's part of my like disconnect because it's like, yeah, Adderlon was awful, but like her mother was from Adderlon. So like I don't, it, it, I don't feel like there was enough to like, I, other than continually telling me how at home she felt, like, why? Like, why is that different than this place that you've like sacrificed a ton for? I just don't think it's fleshed out that well. Like it's, it's to me, again, what you were saying, Tasia, it's kind of like a showing, not telling, or it's a telling, not showing me. Like she mm-hmm. just is saying like, I, this isn't my home. Yeah. um And I think, I don't know. I'd be really interested to find out like, the extent to which like when Sarah thought that this was going to be a novella, like whether Nesrin had that same arc and whether that was the thing that she like fleshed out to make this a full-length novel. Because if so, like, I don't know that it was worth it. And it was worth <laughs> it. Yeah, like, I just don't yeah. know. Um, because it just doesn't yes. matter to me in the same way. And that's fine. Like it's in a series with this many characters and this many arcs, Not everyone's going to hit the same way, but at the same time, I do think like it's the, maybe one of the weaker ones in terms of like how it's executed.
0: Well, and like you've mentioned, like with a lead and with um, the other characters that we get like in Irene, obviously um, that we can be introduced to characters later in the story and have them built up to be fully fleshed developed characters, but that doesn't really feel like what happened to Nezrin necessarily because she kind of started as like a, a side character that was like, you know, getting a spotlight here, but it, her story wasn't fleshed out enough or it was just kind of like what needed to happen in order for them to learn specific information that they needed for like the long game. Yeah. But um, Nezrin as a character wasn't really fleshed out enough for us to really be like, oh, I care about what's happening yeah. right now because we cared more about what was going on with Kale and Ureen.
2: And it might go back to like the issues we talked about at the top with like how Sarah treats her character's of color in this book. Mm-hmm. She might just not be the best person to tell the story. Yeah. And that's why I feel flat and doesn't feel as realized, maybe to me, I don't know. Um and
1: I do think the the end of their relationship between Kale and Nestor is like handled like, pretty pretty well. Yeah. Um the way that they both kind of come to that understanding that they like kale thinks like they had done things out of order they hadn't really like talked which i think really tracks because in war like if you're really close to someone like i always think of that that scene in clueless where they're like driving on the highway and then they start making out like right <laughs> now they get on the highway and it's because like that adrenaline and everything like yeah, that that's like a An effort, like not aphrodisiac, but uh, the I mean, yeah, 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 like Mm -hmm. make you feel like. So I totally buy that. Like in war, like when you spend a lot of time around like another hot person, you're gonna like (laughs) hook up with that person, like be close to them. But then, like the moment you get a chance to breathe, you like realize that like, you know, you're both hurting in various ways, and this wasn't like right, and like you can kind of like part ways, um, gracefully. So I thought that actually was handled well, even though it's pretty quick and. Yeah, uh, it's efficient.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I guess those are like the big characters in this book. We, we've we got allies coming now. We didn't spend really at all. I mean, I guess we can talk about it more now, but like the romance here, we can talk about it in Suna as well. But like, I think the Cal urene romance in and of itself, like has some really good, beautiful moments in it too. And I guess maybe we can get um into it more in- in soon, but I just want to like acknowledge that because I feel like we kind of like brushed past it like they're they have great moments in this book
1: oh they're one of my favorite ships I think um I might be one of the only people that think that but their <laughs> their moments and their on-page intimacy both in terms of like how well they get each other and um their sexual chemistry yeah uh like really really work for me and there are moments in kingdom of ash of like casual intimacy between them that are some of my favorite romantic parts of the whole series. And I think that when, you know, you have two characters that just like get each other like that, that's and really magic.
2: I think because I don't identify them as like one of my favorite chips in this series, I like forget. And then like rereading it, I'm like, Oh, I have like stars in my eyes. Like this is like, it's so good. It's so sweet. it, it it's, there's so many good romances in this series um she does a like really good job with it although I will say I was like very stressed out rereading their first time together because like she almost just like got herself killed by pushing what's her name into the pool and then like they basically are like you better not be here in the morning like what and then they decide to stay and that's where they're gonna do it like what old yeah <laughs> yeah um I do wonder too though like, they have one time together where kale is like fully able-bodied again and i don't know that like in the grand scheme of like representation here like whether that was the best choice like i think it probably would have been a stronger choice to show like how strong their like sexual relationship was like given like who he ultimately is at the end of this book like still having you know a disability to some extent that waxes and wanes and et cetera. So that was just something I kind of thought about too.
1: This book could have used a sensitivity reader. I think we can all agree.
0: Yes. Also, I don't want to be like a party pooper, but like them getting married at the end felt weird. Like just super fast. I know it's a fantasy story and it doesn't matter, but there was a part of me when I read that, that was like, "Uh, okay.
1: (laughs) It's very fast and there's more stuff to come that's fast. But (laughs) I will say when you're like, bound to another person magically like you really yeah, don't
0: that's fair. have
1: a choice and it kills just like if
0: not married very awkward
1: yeah it sort of just read, <laughs> read to me that kale was just like overcome and like that's why yeah. they got married
0: yeah
2: it's weird though like i don't know why it feels different than aelin and rowan who are also married and like haven't known each other for very long, but it it
0: it yeah, does. like I think months, it's like, right? I think like a couple yeah. months is different from they're like, like, they're in the
1: Southern continent a
2: for a couple months. Yeah. 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 So why does it feel like? I don't know. But well, it does. because Aelin
0: and Rowan were from Era Fire, you know, so they have Era Fire, Queen of Shadows yeah, and Empire of Storms, and they just have the equivalent of Empire of Storms. I don't know why. It's just like a couple more books difference, which is yeah, really true. the equivalent of a couple of months. But I don't know. It just felt really fast. But it does, you know, more or less make sense because of the whole life bondage thing. Like, why not? Yeah, no,
1: that's a good way to look at it, too. Yeah. but I do want to, apologies, yeah. mention just, like, kind of the political. I think I labeled it political yeah. nonsense. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I see that. <laughs> um, It's just, like, really w- smart, I think, to introduce, like, a flying army that can, like, <laughs> like, at one point, one of the characters, like, yeah, like, the birds can go against Wervin, you know, because the parties are very unmatched, and so you, I think this book. I've missed this. I'm very hot. I'm going to take off my jacket, uh, like <laughs> by necessity. Like this book has to introduce a lot of like uh, things that make a lot of sense, and and it works for me, even though it's a little heavy-handed. Although I will say, I absolutely screamed when Kale has to like give Ureen a fake place where Alyn and everybody are going. And he's like, well, I got to think of some like random place. <laughs> okay, like Skulls Bay. And then there, you know, that they're there. It makes me like yeah. furious. I mean, it ends up being okay. But when I first read that, I was like, Kale, you fucking did it. You ruined it. Like, <laughs> like you were like you, but like you busted. Like you can't do one thing right. But like it ends up being, it ends up being fine. But it, I just like it felt like more ammo yeah. to the people that hate him that he like sold them yeah. out by accident.
0: Yeah.
1: I was the, furious.
0: Well, it's good. It's to so th- clearly by accident though, because yeah. he's like, where would she? Never, <laughs> she would <be?"> never go.
1: <laughs> and that's
0: fair. Yeah,
2: and I think that fair. that's like a like a uh kind of like clever, but like not as like hot button way to show, like, they're just slightly off kilter from each other. They're, they're the disconnect and they're understanding each other. is not as deep as they thought it was. And I say like less hot button, because it's not like laced with the same vitriol that he had before. He's like, no, no. Like, why would she go back to this place where this like bad stuff happened? Like, I don't see why he, <laughs> she would ever do that. And it's just like, a very understandable mistake, but I think just like kind of a nice little nod to like the fact that they're just kind of like, ships passing in the night in regards.
1: <laughs> there are some moments there is that moment where he says where he's like ruminating about aelin where he says that you know aelin was indeed growing changing she was growing into a queen but he knew there were no restraints no inner ones and how far aelin would go to protect those she loved protect her kingdom and if someone stood in her way barter from protecting them no lines exist to cross within aelin in regard to that so i think there is a recognition of him about that that no one is willing to say like, no one is willing to say that. Yeah. And Aylin herself, like, is, like, like, you know, is able to, like, find those lines. But, no, like, it's a totally fair thing to say. And it's not mean to Aylin to recognize those things. Yeah. So don't I don't think it's, it's something
2: it's, that she questions in herself. We see this. Like, yeah. she wrestles with it a
0: lot. And I don't think it's fair to, like, be mad at a character for thinking that, like, great power should have checks. Like, that's not a bad thing. Like yeah. power should be there. There should be checks on power. Yeah. Totally. Uh, we know that we can trust Aylin, Um, and he should know he can trust her. And he does eventually realize, you know, of course they can trust her, but it's not unfair of anybody to have those thoughts. That's a, an important line of questioning.
1: Yeah. So I just, you know, critical thinking, everybody. <laughs> what? <laughs> you What's
2: mean? that? You mean people on the internet? Don't engage in critical thinking
0: sometimes about <laughs> these
2: things. Shut huh? What's, What's this is...
0: nuanced thing? I've never heard of it never before. never heard of it. C- kind Sounds of of. dumb. <laughs> um. All right.
1: Now should you do the Yes, I'm sorry. No, was...
2: it's fine. It was a good point. <laughs> um. No, because I think that this book, like, does have a lot of, like, really important world building in it, which is probably why the, like, Nasrin and Star Trek stuff, like, doesn't totally work, because that stuff is so pivotal to, like, the wider lore, and I'm just kind of like, meh, meh, meh. like, and the thing with like rereads of books that like imprint on you is that like, I'm not rereading them for plot, I'm rereading them to hang out with my friends. So, mm-hmm. my friends are just really here, like, learning about you know, spiders and stuff, I just don't care about that. Like, I'm here for the emotions.
0: <laughs> I, I read, I reread because I'm an emotional cutter.
1: <laughs> I mean,
2: Basically.
1: Even people that hate Kale and hate this book all say you have to read it. You can't skip mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah. no, I don't think you'll find anyone in with any good intention at all who will say you have you can skip this book. Yeah. Um, it's pivotal to your understanding of Throne of Glass in so many ways. Um, a lot of people do like a tandem read. I find that to be confusing.
0: Um, and that's coming
1: from someone that has done a tandem read with like other books, like um, Game of Thrones, I think, lends itself really well to doing a tandem read with the yeah most recent two books. But this one wasn't meant to be that. Like, I understand the inclination to want to do that, but I just don't think it lends itself really well to a tandem read with Empire Storms. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it, even if you hate Kale. It's just
0: super unnecessary to do a tandem up. read. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think you have to just.
0: Also,
2: I like emotional pain brought upon me by books, and I like. <laughs> Feelings of peril. I feel at the ends of empire storms is part of the experience to mm-hmm. be left hanging and then have to read eight hundred pages of something else. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm a is that way.
1: There are enough like Easter eggs and like references of our friends from home. I think that would make it worth it, even if you like can't stand Kale. Which give him a chance. Like think about it. Okay. Why do you not like him? Anyway, all right.
2: Subrelatives. <laughs> uh favorite quote jesse will go with you
0: because you have several written down here so
1: do you okay i have um, two
0: <laughs> i have none
1: <laughs> you can i was very in.
0: late to this you can nope. just chime king in on king. the ones you like Tasha. yeah all of them okay, so
1: good. my first one is i'm coming home he whispered to his brother his king <laughs> beautiful, beautiful That's Kale in reference to dorian and i just love every instance that he thinks about dorian in this book because they are lovely
0: yes the true otp of this oh. series. show
1: huh.
0: yes
2: yes um all right uh this next one um sorry the whole thing It's kind of long both my are long i guess please. He said, but she was heading for the door. And if she left, he had let them all go. He had walked out himself too, but with Alan, with Dorian, with Nestor, and he had let them go and he had not gone after them. But that woman backing toward the door, trying to keep the tears from falling tears from the hurt he'd caused her tears of the anger. he so rightfully deserved. She reached the handle, fumbled blindly for it. And if she left, if he let her walk out, Irene pushed on the handle and Cal took a step towards her. And this is a big emotional moment. It's a great, like, moment of reckoning too of like his emotional journey and like how he's acted to all these other characters and his guilt for leaving dorian after the flag holler gets put on him you know his his guilt and all of his feelings about his relationship with alan his guilt over how he's handled things with nasa but urines his like line in the sand mm-hmm. i just love that gsc
1: Um, So these two are like connected. So I'll just read them together together real quickly. Uh, The darkness belongs to you to shape as you will, to give it power or render it harmless. He surveyed the darkness, this piece of him. He did not balk at it. And smiling at Irene, he took her hand. And, you know, I just love a darkness metaphor. The darkness inside you, you get to decide what to do with it. I think it lends itself really well to your point earlier, Corinne, about this being like Kale's air fire. I think Aelin has like a similar moment where the darkness is basically what you make it. Power is power. It's whether it's what you do with it. It's beautiful.
2: Yes. I like that a lot. um And I liked, again, too, how that ties into like the magic pulse system. Like it's a, an emotional darkness, but it's also this little piece of like the vague that's like always with him, but like he controls it now.
0: That's great. I um, love when the monsters as metaphors uh, aren't just metaphors.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, Jesse, why don't you read your next one to you? Because it goes into my second one. Okay.
1: Kale looked up at last blinking away tears as he scanned his wife's face. Every beautiful line, those golden eyes, a gift, a gift from a queen who had seen another woman in hell and thought to reach back a hand with no thought of it ever being returned. A moment of kindness, a tug on a thread, a moment of kindness from a young woman who ended lives to a young woman who saved them.
2: I too had tears in my eyes <laughs> since I read that. Um, and to piggyback off of that, every step, all of it had led here from that keep in the snow blasted mountains where a man with a face as hard as the rock around them had thrown him into the cold, to that salt mine in Indovier. Where an assassin with eyes like wildfire had smirked at him unbroken despite a year in hell, an assassin who had found his wife, or they had found each other, two gods blessed women wandering the shadowed ruins of the world, and who now held the fate of it between them. Just like ah, payoff, like so big, such like a good conclusion of like multiple journeys to this point. Top tier stuff,
1: Sarah. There's some really good moments that I think if you're reading very carefully in both ACOTAR and Throne of Glass, you'll catch them where Sarah mentions like fate in a way like, and a tug on the thread is the one, is a common theme. And she's mentioned it a few times in Throne of Glass. There's also a moment in A Court of Silver Flames where this happens. And it might be when Gwen cuts the the ribbon. (laughs) Um, And it's just like these moments that like, I think like come back around. Yeah, and she points them out and it's very obvious when she does it and that's all I'm saying and I promise. I was
0: also will. thinking with your last quote with the mention of like reaching out a hand that that was very reminiscent of um, the stuff in A Court of Silver Flames um, yeah. and I really like the the reiteration of that theme of uh, reaching out your hand for to help people and, and for help.
1: I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> <I try. laughs> anyway, keep going, Dusty. Yeah, I just have two kind of short ones. Uh, then welcome home. Nesrin wondered if those words might be the most beautiful she'd ever heard. And that's like the stuff that really resonated with me mm-hmm. with Nesrin, It's like those sort of moments. Um, and then kind of a funny one. He'd almost told the princess that she could keep Hella's horse, but there was something to be said about the prospect of charging down Morath foot soldiers atop a horse named Butterfly.
2: <laughs> right.
1: It's cute. Yeah. Uh- Love a tempestuous horse. You we, mm-hmm. we do
0: love a horse? I love a fictional horse. <laughs> important, important caveat:
2: don't fuck around with them in real life. Speaking
0: of drawing lines, that's current. That's
2: my life. Fictional horses only. <laughs> all right. I think uh, we all are kind of in agreement here on character and arc. I think mm-hmm. yeah, we all were in down the same. Jesse, we'll let you do the honors, even though we kind of hinted at it already.
1: Yeah. So I actually found like emblematic quotes for both of mine, and I'm very sorry about this, but I'm oh, um, beautiful. So Kale, I think is. The arc here for all the reasons that we talked about, but this quote in particular, I think, is why I I gave him arc. Um, He'd once balked at these sort of those sort of questions, might once have even balked at the idea of letting magic touch him. But the man who'd done those things feared those things. He was glad to leave him in the shatter in ruin of the glass castle. And I'm not really talking about being like healed by magic here. I don't I don't think that's necessarily what he's talking about. I think. He's talking more about, like, the, one of the reasons that people, like, hate him so much is how much he, like, hates magic, you know, and, and, like, the fact that now he's, like, letting magic, like, into his life and the fact that he's glad to leave him, leave him there, I think that's, like, emblematic of his journey yeah. um, in, in less of a literal sense uh i have some other quotes here he talks about being lighter he talks about like how alan would have seen you know laughed at him you know (laughs) how the man who had stumbled out of her room after she declared that her cycle arrived now sitting in this fine room mostly naked not giving a shit about it (laughs) there are a lot of these quotes where he like looks back at the person he was and um it sort of spells out a lot of the change there yeah
2: i was like the quote you have noted there too about how he had like he um I didn't really learn to manage pain, but like he, he felt like he deserved it. And like that self-loathing, which is something we didn't talk a ton about, like his feelings of guilt for leaving Dorian after Sorsha's killed and Dorian is, is left chained with the bag. Like he's, that's such a big part of why he's so low and it's so upsetting. Um, But that's why what you said earlier, Jesse, where he says to, you know, I'm coming home to Dorian. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a good reckoning.
1: Uh, and then Urene's my favorite character here. Um, I just love this quote. I might not have battled kings and shattered cla- castle. She said coldly, voice shaking with anger as she continued her retreat. But I am the heir apparent to the healer on high through my own work and suffering and sacrifice. And you're standing right now because of that. People are alive because of that. So I might not be a warrior waving a word about... May not be worthy of your glorious tales, but at least I save lives, not in them. And I just love that quote so much because we constantly talk about and see these like badass soldier warrior women. And I love that. I love seeing that. But to have like, a you know, someone be like, I'm a healer and I'm worthy because of it. And don't you like look at me for one second. Like I'm not worthy because I can't like throw a sword around. Badass.
2: Yeah. He's like so smart too. Like I love that like, we know she like studied really hard and she like worked really hard and like moved up the ranks in the Tory like really quickly. Uh, pour one out for the, the book nerds out there, like because the, she's one of us. I think I'm going to claim her a studious type. Yeah. Retweet everything you said. All right. Shall we swoon? I'll go first. I like this one. Cause it was kind of akin to me a little bit. And like, they do eventually like confess their feelings in a more direct way, but this one made me feel like. I love you. I know like from star Wars, like it's like kind of more like a roundabout way of like admitting your love, but like, um, this one is, is, I am glad she whispered that you do not love that queen or Nestor. I am glad that I do not love them either. Irene towers. He whispered onto her lips. And it's just like, that's nice. <laughs> I don't know anything else I want to say about it. It's just nice. Uh Tasia, would you like
0: to go? Sure. Um, Kale had only kissed her temple. We fight all the time already. It'll be nothing new. He added, Do you think I'd want to be with anyone who didn't hand my ass to me on a regular basis? And I just want to shout out like Kale's gonna type. We love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Kale's
0: gonna type. It's yeah, also- Miss
1: Piggy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: very true um, <laughs> also it's big canthony energy mm-hmm. we love to see it we love to see it. they're gonna vex each other forever it's gonna be complicated by the fact that they're magically together but you know what it'll be okay all right so we got also a side note why was that one like
0: highlighted in very intensely? Well, when I was it made notes, me read it like 20
1: times oh I was like I don't want anyone to steal these you can steal the other ones but not these these are my favorite
0: I like how you did that but did not communicate that
2: what the, the code was to us
0: so, like. you know what's weird is I kind of intuited that yeah, I was see? like you know what I bet this one's important but yes yeah because of that it also my eyes kept going to it so I read it about 50 times today
1: I'm the most obnoxious guest, you guys. <laughs> uh, Jesse just comes in and takes like all the lines. But to be fair, I'd already had these highlighted. So I already just like went in and added them. Fair,
2: totally fair. All right, go ahead.
1: Okay. It was like waking up or being born or falling out of the sky. It was an answer and a song and she could not think or feel fast enough. Um, and that's, it. they're kissing. In the- <laughs> <and in> the- <laughs> I, uh, I really like, it's hard to write a kiss scene. And it's hard to write like a special kissy, and to use like certain imagery can be like cliche or purple prose or whatever. And I thought this was a really good example of like beautiful
2: writing. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like that passage of like Manon where she like. I was literally just thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you were. Of course you were. (laughs) And I think to bring, we have to mention the words Manon Blackbeak in this episode, so gotta get it in. (laughs) Um, Yes, beautiful. Um, I have one more swoon and this one I, I like, like 40 kale. Great. I thought you never stepped in to help me. He said dryly raising an eyebrow in the chair. Yes. You have much further to fall. Now. Kale huffed a laugh, then leaned into whisper in her ear. Will it be the bed or the couch now, Irene? Woo! <laughs> Saucy. Also just shouts to Kale <laughs> being so extra and bringing that gold couch on the ship <laughs> back to everyone
0: <Adrian. laughs> you fucking dork <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: dark. love it it's so extra <laughs> jesse keep keep going here
1: his she was his and he had never had anything he could call such wanted to call such cool. and i read that not as like a possession but just yeah. like yeah someone in his life that like loved exclusively him like yeah I think it's a nice callback too to like
2: that scene where they do go out to eat and he thinks about like he was just cal in that moment, mm-hmm. like they're each other's, get to be them tr- their true selves.
1: Exactly. Um, here's some really mushy ones. Uh, he couldn't bring himself to deny her anything. This woman who held everything he was, all he had left in her beautiful hands. It's nice. We we love yeah we love a simp
2: in that <laughs> way. Do. Yeah.
1: Um, I have a Nesserin in Star Trek moment. This is yeah. great. I'm like, I'm like a total sucker for moments like these in books. <laughs> I loved you before I ever set eyes on you. He said, please, Nesta." wept. Sartek's hand tightened on hers. I wish we'd had time. I don't know why, but the whole like I wish we'd I wish we'd had time it's is always
0: gonna kill. It's always gonna kill. It, it's Cassian and it's Nesta. Mm-hmm. Cassian like I'm and gonna,
1: Nesta. I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. gonna
2: like it. I don't care if Sarah repeats and recycles some of these
0: things. Every single book, this could yep. th- this phrase could be in, and I would eat it up every time.
1: Yeah, yeah. With it's one of with those it's like that, and then, like, not like this, like those two things. Mm, like- yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh,
2: oh. Speaking I'm of like, Defy the Night, I uh, thought about that earlier.
1: I think, <laughs> I think about, about that, that moment way. in Defy the Night all, woo, the, time. all the time. Not yeah. like that.
2: And the, it's a cooler moment. And it's cool. It's a cooler moment. Uh, flashback to when we were all together on Halloween <laughs> and watched the cooler, and Tasia was sitting next to me and just kept hitting me. <laughs> We're just yes. beating the shit out of each other during that episode. That's the <laughs> mean girl listeners. If you're not uh, at the level of obsessiveness. That we I wish are. we had more
1: time, <laughs> not like this. And then who did this to you? Mm-hmm. 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 There, There is a who did this to you in forging silver out of fire. And it's a queer relationship, but anyway. Ooh. Uh, I do have the proposal in here. Um, wife, his wife, he'd never seen the path ahead so clearly as he had that afternoon three weeks ago when he'd spied her sitting in the garden and just knew. He'd known what he wanted, and so he'd gone to her chair, knelt down before it, and simply said, will you marry me, Irene? Will you be my wife? Listen, I'm a romantic <laughs> shit, and I'm going to like a proposal <laughs> regardless of whether anything – <laughs> Anything.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And this is a good one to end on, Jesse. This
1: um, last one. And if Eurene had not loved him already, she would have loved him then. Learning that truth, seeing the man he was becoming turning into after all of it. Listen, it's one thing to love someone in their best. It's quite another to find out all of their thoughts and faults and and love them even more because of them, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Beautiful, great, yeah.
2: And I think again, that's another good like parallel too, to Rowan and Ailyn, because
1: mm-hmm. like Rowan
2: sees all of that in Ailyn
1: mm-hmm. and loves
2: her. There's a lot of parallels between them too, the two plus women the men who simp for them. It's, it's great. We love to see it. Good stuff. All right. Um, are we into spoiler section? I have some things we can briefly talk some. about. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's stuff. Yeah. So, um, um, we'll have a little music cue here. Uh, we don't got much left to spoil friends. Just one more book. Um, but we're going to talk about some, uh, end stuff that might've popped up in this book, uh, after the music cue. All right, so I just like really, this is one thing I have noted. This is like at the very beginning, the first time Irene tries to use her powers on Kale cold filled her burning along her limbs, creeping wider and circling flung flung out her magic in a blind flare. The light purest sea foam, the blackness retreated a spider scuttling into the shadowed corner. Just enough, just enough that she yanked back her hand, yanked back herself and found Cal at her. And it's like, we do get the like reveal in this book that like, she's going to learn how to like heal all the people who are possessed by the valve. But like literally this is like what she does at the end of the book, like is, Banish them from the universe, and then we got the spider imagery here, which is like Sarah has loved to pepper in all along. That's before the uh, Mavis val Valgar spiders, etc. reveals that come later in the books. Just it's good stuff.
0: She really did go hard on that spider stuff, she did. It's kind of impressive, like from the beginning, the spider stuff,
2: yeah. Um, shout out to Butterfly the Horse, who has one of my favorite moments the entire series ahead of her. Maybe to take to cry on the podcast again. Oh, God, I can't wait. I'm going to cry so much. We won't talk about it a lot here, but it's just like, uh, that's why I fucking love Elite and working so much. It's such mm-hmm. a good scene. <laughs> um. And I also guess I really like like there's hints of a lead in Yurin's friendship in that book too. So I kind of like how it all like kind of ties
1: together and she gets the horse and whatever. So One of my favorite moments in Kingdom of Ash. I mean, obviously like, all the reunions and everything, but there's like a moment when Dorian and Yurin and Kale are all like sitting together and Dorian is like, I like Yurin. Like I would have like if he hadn't gotten her, like I would have married her first or something like that. It's just <laughs> such like a cute moment.
2: It's a good moment. Yurin also has like my favorite, um, she sets up like one of my favorite moments in the entire series, which I think, um, as you were saying, Jesse, how much you love a proposal, my loving this moment instead shows, I think a, a difference between us in terms of like our romantic preferences, but like you being like, you guys should just get married Dorian and Manon and like Manon saying, we'll see, like, that yeah. just like hits me. In, in the way that I think, like, the proposal stuff hits you.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: so, like, badass moments coming for Eurene. Love There's it. also
1: that moment, too, where at the end she tells Rowan that, like, when they're having their first baby, like, when they're having their kids, like, Eurene will help deliver them, which is, like, huge because, like, they babies are, like, really – like really intense process to like birth them yeah so you know could have used her in uh akasif, but whatever (laughs) uh
0: she probably knows how she probably would
1: jesus if we oh
0: my
2: (laughs) god oh my god seriously well again this i guess i should have said this too spoilers for like carson city expanded um SJM universe but like yeah i got a bunch of those couldn't couldn't (laughs) we just have had like, these portals open then. So, like, Irene could have come in to this other universe and saved everyone a lot of grief. What yeah. a good point.
1: Damn. Mm. <sighs> I was, uh, like, on the lookout. I was on the lookout <laughs> yeah, for, like, stuff. And I was, like, where is it? And, there's like, so – there's just like tons of stuff about how old the tower, like the tour is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the history books there mention the vlog. It was built, right? They say 1500 years ago, and they say it then later it could have been more. The weird gates bring like beasts of shadows in, rip the world. That's like really similar imagery to like opening up the universes. Um, Let's see, um, the Fae, like even when the final remaining demon king slithered into the dark places of the world to hide, the Fae came here to these mountains. They taught the rooks to fight, taught the rooks the languages of Fae and men. They built the watchtower, like all this stuff about the Fae like coming from another universe. And then these spiders that hail from the Vlogs world, they're part of the Vlog army and have an outpost here as well as in the Rune Mountains. (laughs) No, 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 Rune Mountains. Yeah, I
0: really that. want to know if that is um,
1: She might just like the name for re- yeah. yeah
0: But it yeah. feels like uh, Ew, I feel like I weird. wouldn't Yeah, I I wouldn't name a character After like this important mountain range Or whatever, unless I wanted to Do something like I don't know, it could just be a little easter egg, I guess But like in yeah. a world where she is converging All of these universes Why right. that connection yeah. feels and I Notable. do think
2: your, your mentioning of the Tory is, is very important, Jesse. It reminds me a lot of the library in um, Akatar, And I think that that along with some of the other things we talked about with, with Gwen, our girl, Gwen, again, I think that's going to be important. The library and its history there.
1: Mm-hmm. And then this one, I, I screamed and I read this one. Long ago, in another world and another lifetime, a land of dark, cold, and wind ruled by three kings, masters of shadow and pain. Brothers, who do we know who likes shadows and pain?
2: <laughs> uh, oh, his name's Azrael.
1: Yep. His name, his <laughs> his name is Azrael. Yeah.
2: Like, man, I just there's a lot here and I can't I my mind is like not able to process like any coherent theories about it anymore. Well we know in like, Kingdom
1: of Ash she mentions Crescent City. So we know yeah, that it was on yeah. her mind. So yeah. and this is pretty close to Kingdom Ash, like chronologically it's like yeah. The
0: well and again like what of we- glass has to come into Play in some way, right? Yeah. Like it has to.
1: I'm unconvinced it's going to be as integral as Akatar. Just because yeah, same. there's So many characters and same. so many like finished storylines that I mm-hmm. think like don't need to be. I just to want references. I would be happy there with references.
2: Yeah, there have to be because what did we learn, Jessie when we attended her like pub day like event or whatever? She came. She like got the idea for Crescent City when she was on book tour for like Air of Fire.
1: Yeah, it was really early. So mm-hmm. like i don't know
0: i don't had know. plenty of time to plant a lot of seeds sure has i mean and we know that throne of inter- glass series like there's a lot of threads left hanging
1: yeah well could- throne of glass is literally like could have been crescent city it's just like another world where that like opened up and the fae came like mm-hmm. colonized it or whatever so i think that what that-
2: a what a time for Multiverse, the multiverse, multiverse <laughs> I stories.
0: the multiverse is so in right now, it's so why in are you, right why now. Do I keep using so fetch. that, <laughs>
2: it's so fetch right now. Um, and like if these seeds are like intentional for her, like I don't know, maybe Asham was the hipster of the multiverse, like essentially. And then she's like, God damn it, Doctor Strange and everything everywhere all at once. Like, how <laughs> Terry. Right. like I've been holding this in for like thunder. 15 fucking years. Yeah.
1: <laughs> she did say she likes like marvel and the avengers yeah. and she has said that in interviews mm-hmm. and things like that yeah
2: well um yeah it's but smart it is smart you know it's really smart it's a good way to tie things together um yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything like other big stuff from like kingdom of ash that's coming up but no kingdom of ash is just a lot of payoff to all this stuff that we've been talking about so i'm excited to talk about it but yeah so i guess on that note, um sometime soon tbd in the future we will be dropping our kingdom of ash episode um and we're really sad but also excited to be this journey um but mostly sad like i immediately wanted to dive into kingdom of ash upon reading tower of john again so i'm ready to revisit it and spend some time with our babies for the last time uh for a while and um yeah we will be good jesse thank you so much for joining us to talk about your boy you know, I know it was a burden
1: it's funny because usually when usually I claim first dibs whenever you tell me you're going to be doing like a fantasy series night I usually always claim the like most popular one um but this time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know I wanted Dara of Dawn so thank you for letting me come on and justice for kale um
2: justice for kale yep totally Honestly, if you hadn't picked this one, I like might've sent a wellness check to your home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we, <laughs> even before we were really plotting out our episodes, we were like, well, clearly Jesse's going to be on whatever we have for Tower of Dawn. I mean,
1: you yes. know, part of me was like, well, kingdom of ash. But then I was like, no, I got to do it. I got to give Tower. uh, kale no one,
2: no one else. You've got a champion kale. It. You do. And we appreciate it. Um, but Jesse, tell our listeners where they can find you online. Talk about your podcast.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. so, so I'm on Instagram at Book Jesse is better. So you can find me there talking about books and talking incoherently about Curse Breakers, apparently. Mm-hmm. And I also have a podcast, The Daily Nightly, um, with our friend Annie. Um, we most recently finished Mansfield Park. Um, I think we. Are uh, finally done. We watched a bunch of the adaptions and talked about them. We also did an episode where we talked about Bridgerton, which was fun. And soon we will be starting reading Emma, which I'm really, really excited about because Mansfield Park was a bit of a slug. <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean if you like aylin then you're probably gonna like Emma. So Heck yeah. That's
2: a Are, fair like, comparison. I love it. Yeah, that's a very fair comparison. Is Emma like our original Hot Mean girl? Like <laughs> I think I think so. Yeah. <laughs> We love having a girl.
1: James, son of, of a, a bitch. bitch.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, thanks again, Jesse. We really appreciate it.
0: Tasha, where can our listeners connect with you online? You can find me on Instagram at Ragey Cakes. I
2: can be found on Instagram at rin underscore reads. The podcast is on Instagram at age You can choose an email if you'd like at pod at gmail.com. And as always, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much, friends. Thanks for continuing on this throne of glass journey with us. We're almost at the end. (laughs) Uh, and we'll see you soon for that last chapter. Bye. Bye.